0: How's everybody doing? Good. 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 You ready for a new series? Yes. Good. Are you excited about it? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Good. I'm glad. I like the, uh, the voice coming back over there, Chris. That was awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we praise you. We give you the glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We talked last week about being thankful. And this morning, Lord, just from our hearts, thank you for everything that you're doing in this place, in our lives, the changes that are happening. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. We praise you and we love you. Amen. And every single week, every week we pray for a different church, a different body of Christ. And uh, we just want to lift up another body, because guess what? We are not the only one. We're a part, we're not the best body, we're a part of the best body. If you look on your handout, on the back there it says, today we're going to lift up Harvest Church, Ambassador Bill and Karen Baldwin. So let's pray for them, let's lift them up, okay? So will you agree with me? Lord, right now we just agree. Let Harvest be blessed in Jesus' name. We just lift them up. Father, let Pastor Bill and Pastor Karen and their leadership move in the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. Let them see clearly everything that you have for them. And Lord, no weapon formed against them shall prosper in Jesus' name. But Lord, we stand with them, standing strong, linked arm in arm as part of the body, Lord. And Lord, we just praise you for that and we thank you for that. Lord, we ask right now that anything that the devil would be trying to do, that it would come to nothing in Jesus' name. We just plead the blood of Jesus over them, over their hearts, over their minds, over the people. Lord, let the people that are supposed to be there, let them come in flocks of just waves and waves of people, Lord. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, turn to Matthew 11, verse 2. And we're going to read 2 through 6. And we're talking, we're starting the series on proof. And have you ever wanted to just be able to give somebody proof That God is who he says he is. Wouldn't that be nice? Have you ever been asked that question? Well, how do I know? How can I prove this? I was asked just a few weeks ago, and I was thinking, well, come to the series, and you'll find out. But uh, have you ever wanted to? Let me ask you this, because this series is going to get into this too. Have you ever just wanted change in your life? Have you ever wanted people around you to change? (laughs) I got a bigger amen on that one, that was, I must have hit a hot button. (laughs) Have you ever just wished that things were different? Right? Well, that's what this series is all about. It's about the proof of God and what is our job in that. And so I want to just open up today, I'm going to tell you a couple of scriptures, I'm going to tell you a story, and we're going to step into this series just with kind of the premise of what we're talking about, and then we're going to get into some details in the coming weeks, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. And I think your way of thinking is going to change on some things. So right now, let's just look at this. It's interesting here, you've got John the Baptist and he's in prison. And, you know, it, it wasn't like announced necessarily like in flashing lights from heaven, Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah. Like, it wasn't like said, I mean, they did have a star and they had a host of angels and everything, but everybody didn't see that stuff. Neither did God just come down and speak to the whole world into their hearts. you know, in something that, that they couldn't ignore and say, that's him, that's my boy. You know, that didn't happen. Even John the Baptist, who was Jesus said, was the greatest of men born of women, the greatest person born of women, even him in this passage, he's saying, Jesus, are you it? Are you real? Are you the one? And so let, let's read this. It says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? So even this greatest man born of women, he, met, he baptized Jesus. He met him. You remember the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and, and and God spoke from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And yet John still doesn't know. I don't know about you, but I know sometimes I can be thick, right? <laughs> and I just it just doesn't, I just don't get it. And I know y'all know nobody like that in your lives. I I get that you don't you don't you don't know anybody like that. Chris was pointing at Rachel, and she's like, bam! (laughs) That was awesome. I'm so glad I got to watch that and witness it. So I know you don't know anybody that just sometimes just doesn't get it. I know you don't know anybody like that. I know you're never like that, ever, right? It's never like that. But here's John, and he says, Are you him? Are you the promised one? Are you the Messiah? The one we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? And Jesus' answer is very interesting. Because he doesn't say, yes, I'm him. Which would, like, be real nice, you know? It's like, come on, God. But look at how Jesus proves to John that he is the man. Look at what he says. Jesus told them, he said, go back back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away. Because of me. Yes, amen. Amen. So, here in this moment, John's saying, Prove it to me. Are you him? And Jesus says, Here's the proof. Here's the proof. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news, the gospel, the good news is preached to the poor. And it's not just talking about people that are poor financially. It's talking about being poor in every area of life, any, any area of life. In other words, he's saying, look, everybody that has lack in their life in whatever form, in whatever area it is, wherever that place is, they are receiving good news. Because I am, what he's saying is, because I am the Messiah. I am the one. That's what Jesus is saying. But he's saying, "You don't, don't just listen to it because it comes out of my mouth. Don't just listen to it, but look at what I'm doing. Look at what is happening because I am that person. Look at what's happening. And his life proved to John that he was the one. His life proved it. The miracles proved it you know uh there we kind of seen seen this go in different ways but but jesus said you know wicked people s- search for a sign or seek a sign right and and we've taken that in a wrong way religiously and we've said well we don't need to be looking for signs Well, that's not exactly what Jesus was saying. In context, what he was saying was, don't go and believe somebody just for signs' sake. But he wasn't saying that there'll never be any signs. He wasn't saying that you should never expect to see the things of God. Matter of fact, he's right here going the opposite direction saying, look, this is the things that are happening because I am him. Look to these and you will find your proof. What he was saying when he said don't seek a sign is, believe me because I'm God, not because of I did something for you. In other words, don't be looking at what I can do for you, and then you can say, oh, believe me. Believe me because I am who I say I am. Believe me because I am God. So in other words, there's going to be proof that God hands out to the world, but eventually it's always going to come back to us to get into faith. It's always going to be. I can remember there was a, a time where uh, somebody asked me to c- chime in on a apologetics argument where they were, you know, arguing over uh, uh, creation versus evolution, and uh, and if you know me or have gotten to know me at all, I don't do that because. All the people that are involved in that argument, besides about 1%, maybe, is they're, all they're trying to do is just win. They're trying to win the argument. Yeah. Well, the Lord says don't cast valuable things in front of... You know, pigs in front of swine. In other words, don't put something valuable in front of somebody or something that doesn't consider those things valuable. That's wrong for you to do that. And so if somebody's just trying to win an argument, and I'm not just talking about the evolution side was trying to win an argument. Wrongly, the creation side was just trying to win an argument too. And it's not the, it's not, that's not the heart that you're ever going to go in and actually come out a winner with. You're always going to lose that. So you know because all you're doing is you are actually uh, causing people to become more hard-hearted as you argue and try to win your point. In other words, you're not. You're not entering into that thing humbly, you're entering in, in, well, I got to go prove somebody wrong. Well, that's the wrong heart. That's not the goodness of God. And you're not going to lead people to repentance. You're not going to lead them to change through that. And so generally, I do not enter in on those kinds of arguments. Now, if I have somebody that is legitimately asking and seeking for an answer, Now, I will spend time with that person all day long. If they are hungry to really know, man, I love that. But in in this they were just arguing they both had good points on on you know both sides they both uh in the long and short of that argument is this today science is proving that it's statistically impossible to not have a creator that's where science is getting to and uh, I mean it legitimately is if it was in any other mathematics any other science they would say that cannot happen and now it's getting to the point where there's so many things that it absolutely had to be God. It's to the point where it's becoming statistically impossible to not have God. You know, that's, that's where we're headed. And it's already being proven now. But I got in there and the Lord said, he said, uh, uh, I said, Lord, it, it was one of those times I said, Lord, do you want me to you know, chime in on this argument? And, uh, and he said, yeah. And I went, I went, I don't understand that, but I don't know why you're telling me to do this. And he said, I got a reason. And I said, okay. And uh, this is just kind of an ongoing conversation we were having. And I said, well, what in the world do you want me to write? Because, you know, they're talking some science I don't even understand and not even going to try to act like I do. And uh, what do you want me to write? And he said, tell them the story about the gas. And the story about the gas was where... A miracle happened, or else I would not be here. I would be dead. And so uh, I, told, I wrote out the story about the gas, and at the end of that, God said this. He said, here's what you just did. You just told a story where all their science, all their scientific laws, everything that they are basing their whole stance on was just broken by a law that was higher than physical law. That's what that story does. Here's what happens. He said, now, as you finish writing the story on that, I want you to challenge them that it's always going to come back to faith. It always has to be faith. And so, because every person is going to come to that point where they have to make a decision. There's not going to be just where they come down and God stamps them and says, oh, I know it now. God, no. At some point, in order for them to be born again, they have to take a step of faith which means they're stepping into something that they can't see with their physical eyes. They can't they've got to just choose to believe God for his goodness. This is the way that God has set up so that we can bypass the law and the corruption of the world. And without coming that way it's not going to happen. So ultimately everybody has to come to that place of faith. But how do you get them to that place? That's the question. How do you help lead people to the place where they need to make a choice? So one of the times I had a customer, and he was my customer for about 10 years. Several of you have heard this story. And... I was not necessarily witnessing to this customer, not necessarily doing anything uh, in particular. Uh, you know, sometimes the devil will make you feel bad because you're not talking about Jesus all the time, right? You ever had that? Like, well, you didn't tell him about Jesus. And, and it's like the devil will try to condemn you over that stuff. But do you realize that? not all of your conversations have to contain the word Jesus in order to live out the will of God. Do you you realize that? I know shock and awe, but sometimes you just live it. And so what happened was I wasn't living perfectly, but maybe I was living better than most. I, I don't know. I know that in the beginning of that relationship with my customer, I was not living the best. But I know as it went on, I really sought to dedicate my heart to the Lord. And by the end of it, I really felt like I was about to move into ministry. And I was really, the Lord was preparing me. And I was putting things down in my life and putting the flesh down and letting God in. And, and, uh, and I would pray. I think I prayed with him maybe a couple of times. Maybe. I don't even remember. I just remembered I was living the best I could live around people and showing love and forgiving and and you know showing faith and and uh I'm sure I said amen a couple of times or something because by that time that was my speech you know but it never was this time where I just stopped and said do you know Jesus I never did that and it's not that we shouldn't do that we should always leave our ears open to you know, for the Holy Spirit to direct us in that way because we never know when that moment is that the Holy Spirit's really dealing with their heart. And if you're not ready to actually say, do you know Jesus, then you really should work on that. But in this case, I never got to that point. And then I sold the company. We were moving into ministry. We were getting ready to start the church. And uh, about, I, so I stopped seeing this guy. And about six months later, I got a phone call. And this guy uh, calls me, and I say, hey, man, how you doing? So good to hear from you. And uh, his name was Claude. And I say, hey, Claude, how you doing? And uh, this guy, he goes on. We talk for a few minutes. Man, I miss seeing you, this and that. He says, well, let me tell you why I'm calling. Awesome. Shoot. Go ahead, man, shoot. And uh, so he says, look, he said, when you were calling on me, He said, I was watching you that whole time. I was always watching you. And your life made me want more of Jesus. Your life caused me, it really produced in me a hunger to go after God. And he said, "So a couple of months ago, my wife and I we started going to church." He said, "And I got born again." He said, "And I am a child of God today." And a large, large portion of it had to do with how you lived your life. And I said, "Of course, I'm in." This is awesome, you know. I'm a big old cause, man. Somebody gets born again. And you play a role in it, that's a big deal. We need to do that more often. I didn't even know he was watching me, but he was. You know, and the end of the story is, you know, a few months after that, you know, he passed away. And he was a young man. He was in his 50s. And a few months after that, he passed away. But you know what? I knew where he was at. He went to be with our Heavenly Father. He gained. I have no question. I knew. Think about this. He was going to die at that time. What if I hadn't have been living it? Amen. What if I hadn't have been real? Would he have been born again? I don't know. I don't know. But I know... Through my living it, it did something. Let's read these verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And these are the, these are the key verses in the series. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you. The King James says, I beseech you or I beg you. Brethren, by the mercies of God. You know, this is not just a... Uh, Hey, I think you ought to do this. Yep. This, is, this. This is what this is. Brother, please, by the mercies of God, please, I'm begging you, do what I'm about to ask you. Please. That's what that is. I beg you. I beseech you. I urge you. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living And holy sacrifice. Acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual service of worship. In the King James it says. It's your reasonable service. In other words what it's saying is. Present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable to God. Because. If Jesus gave his life for you. The least you could do. The reasonable service is. You could give your life for him. Amen. But I'm not asking you to go and die on the cross. I'm asking you to be a living sacrifice. A sacrifice daily given to him. That your choices are not your choices. You give your choices to God. You let him be Lord. Amen. Jesus said it this way one time. He said, "He says, look, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do what I say. Many of you. Will basically, present yourself in heaven, and he'll have to say, Depart. I never knew you. In other words, you called me, Lord, you went to church, but you didn't even begin to look at me or ask me what you should do in that situation. You just did what the world had taught you, and you accepted. But he's saying right here, our reasonable service is... To open up our choices, our lives, what we do, where we go, where we work, where we go to church, who we marry, where we go to school, what our profession is, how we respond to this person, how we give back to this person, how we receive from this, all of that comes from God. This is a living sacrifice, a daily living and holy sacrifice. It's not one that's just, you know, well, I'll just move through life and never think about it. No, it's one that esteems God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This means right here that we are not conformed. In other words, like this little box here, if we were moldable, Conformed means that we are pressed into the mold of the world. In other words, we don't allow the world and its ways and its atmosphere and its ways of thinking to form us into the mold of a worldly system. We don't do that. But we allow God, by the renewing of our mind, to completely transform us into the beauty of his craftsmanship, of his workmanship. We're not molded into a box. We're transformed. We allow God to create his masterpiece in us. Amen. We're transformed into something totally different. How? By the renewing of your mind, why? So that you may prove what the will of God is. That will, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now with that background and that foundation, I'll tell you this story. Some of you have heard it before. So this was... um, Probably 15 years ago, close to it. Yep, right at 15 years ago. <clears throat> Maybe 14 and a half, and um, 14 and three quarter. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm making myself laugh. Y'all just go, go along with me. We're on a trip. Y'all just go with me, okay? Sorry. So here we are, and I'm at this church, and they're doing evangelism explosion. And part of evangelism explosion is going out and making visits to people it's making uh, calls to people's houses and and going to go visit them, and then leading them to the Lord and inviting them to church, getting them to plug in because plugging into a spiritual family is huge it's Amen. it's huge very very important and so here here we go out and we're we're calling on this one guy. We get an address, we're headed out. We go out about 15 or 20 minutes and uh it's a couple of men in the front seat. I'm the young one sitting in the back seat and um I'm just I feel awesome that I get to be serving my Lord today, right? And I'm just feeling and at this point God's calling me into ministry. He's moving on my heart. And so I'm just, I've given myself over to him. I'm letting him form and shape me. And, man, he is doing some amazing stuff in me. And it's been quick. It's been a quick, I mean, even, I remember one, Nicole will remember, there was one lady at the church. They said, man, God is moving him, Brian, and he is moving him quick. I mean, it was, it was a, kind of cool statement like that, you know. And and he was. He was just just changing me. I was just giving myself to the Lord. And I'll tell you, you want to do that, here's how you do that. Lord, and you mean this with your heart, Lord, I don't ever want to go backwards with you again. I only want to go forwards. Only let me take steps towards you and never backwards again. My life is your life. I'm all in with you. And you get to that not just in your head, but you get it in your heart, the core of who you are, and you've given God some moldable clay to work with. Amen. And now he can transform you. And he was transforming me. I mean, he was just flooding my heart. I mean, it was awesome. And so we go out to visit this guy, and uh, we pull up, and it's this, uh, it's this trailer out in the middle of... Um, nowhere, basically. It wasn't far off the road. And we pull up, and I don't know how we had gotten this guy's name. And um, you know what? And and this guy, I'm going to tell you something that's not nice about him, but I owe him a lot. Um, I owe this guy almost some due diligence because what he brought me to is what, I, what Proof Series is all about. And that was 15 years ago, and it changed who I am. And uh, we stepped up stepped out of the car and went up to the door and I don't know how we got his name but somebody had written his name and address down and we went to go visit him and we knock on the door and he comes to the door and um, you know just I, I don't think he was real happy to see us <laughs> you know. And, uh, and he said he said what do you want You know? and it was a young guy what do you want and he opens up the door. What do you want? we are like, I did want to tell you about Jesus, but now I was thinking maybe it's something else, you know. That was kind of our thought. No, 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 put that down. You're holy, holy, holy. Okay, holy, holy, holy. And um, what do you want? Well, hey, man, we're just from this church, and we wanted to invite you back to church, and, uh, you know, we just we wanted to invite you there and love on whatever we said I forget what we said but anyway his response I do not forget his response said this well I'm not coming but you can come pick up my kids though and then I was like "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) I'm not coming but you can come pick up my kids in other words you know it's not important enough to me Which means it's not important enough to my kids either. But you can come pick up my kids so I don't have to deal with them for a few hours is what that is. Or it's important enough and I know it but I'm completely and so I want my kids to have it but I'm not going to go there because I don't esteem what you're doing. So either way he was putting down God and not esteeming. And, And I know that Maybe your response is like, nah, I tell that man something else," you know. I, I'll, and, and and I, you know, that was a passing thought, but it wasn't really where I went to. Um, when we got back in the car, and obviously that didn't, it wasn't a long appointment that we had with the guy. And um, so we got back in the car, and man, my heart just broke for that guy. Yeah. And my thoughts were. What would lead somebody to the place where they would respond like that? And maybe they had church hurt. Maybe they had, maybe they just been lied to about God all this time. God's a great and awesome God. Why would he respond like this? Why would he have this response? And I just didn't understand how a person could get, and even more, you know, I got in the car, and and this is where I went. At first, I was like, Lord, my heart's just breaking for this guy. And out of that compassion for the guy who was incredibly rude and just wrong in his thoughts and what he said, but out of compassion for the guy, he was hurting, He needed something he didn't even know he needed. And out of compassion for the guy, my next question was this. Lord, what can I do to change that guy? It's a big deal for us to not be moved by somebody's automatic response, but to be moved by the compassion of Christ. What can I do, Lord, to help this guy? I mean, Lord, I mean, let's break it down, Lord. What can I do to help that guy right there with his attitude, with the stuff that he had wrong? What can I do to help that guy? And in that compassion, you see, it was the guy that led me to ask that question, but it was the compassion that led me to the answer. It was the world that may get under your skin. But it's the compassion of God that will build the kingdom. It's the compassion that's going to build it. But see, compassion without conviction is empty. In other words, I I can stand up here and say I have compassion, but if I don't have conviction to actually do something about it, that's empty. We need not only the compassion, but the conviction to see it through. So, I said, Lord, what can I do to change that guy? And so the Lord immediately started talking back to me. And so we're, we're heading back to the church, and I'm just in tears. I mean, Lord, the Holy Spirit is moving all over me. I said, Lord, what can I do to change that guy? And he said, uh, nothing. He said, "Can you change that guy?" I said, "No, I can't." He said, "You can influence that guy, but you even in influence, you can never change. you can't make his decisions for him. You can't change him. You can influence him." He said... Who can you actually change? Yourself. I can change me. Yeah. I can change me. He said, and as you change you, that's how you help change the guy. Help bring about influence. And here's why. And he took me to Romans 12, 1 and 2. He said this is why through the Holy Spirit I put this so strong on, God's heart, on Paul's heart that he said these words, I'm begging you, do what I'm about to ask you. I'm begging you, brethren, brothers, children of God, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Present them to God. And, and let me just jump on this next part. Not acceptable to you. Yeah. Acceptable to God. Yeah. Because the world has taught us what is acceptable to God, and it's not right. Yeah. The world has taught you what's holy and what's not holy. We're not looking at getting, doing what's right in your head or my head. We're looking at what's doing right in the mind of God. What is God, what does God call acceptable? And you have to realize that that's probably different than you're thinking even right now. If it wasn't different from what you're thinking right now, then you would know everything there is to know about God, and you don't. That's where humility steps in. In order for me to present myself a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, I've got to be humble in this thing. I've got to be willing to see that I don't know everything I think I know. Even me, as a pastor today, in the pulpit, started a church. Now we've been here for years. That doesn't mean I know everything. The moment I think that, I'm off. The moment you think that, you're off. And the end of your presenting yourself... Can be seen, But as soon as you get humble and you say, man, I've, I've still got a lot to learn. Amen. Now you just stepped right back into the ability to present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. But for, remember that what we're going after is something that the Holy Spirit put on Paul's mind and said, beg them, urge them strongly to do this. This is not just a, yeah, this would be a good idea, Christians, hey Christians, this would be awesome. You know, that would be kind of cool if you did it this way. No, no, no. This is, you've got to do this. If you're not doing this, you're not being Christ. You're not being the hands and the feet. You're not being the body. But here's the question. Why do you do the things that you're doing? Is it for me or is it for you? And if we were really honest and we really saw ourselves with the eyes of God and not our own mind, we would see that the majority of stuff that we've been doing is for us. It's for me. It's for you. Not for God. And it's not a sacrifice. It's not living. It's not holy. There's no life in it. But he says, this that I'm asking you to do, this is your Reasonable service in the New American Standard says your spiritual service of worship. In other words, do you really love God? Don't answer that yet. Do you really love Him? Because if you really love Him, you're going to worship Him. Because if you love Him, you're going to know who He is and know that He is worthy of of all praise and honor, worthy of every bit of worship. And what he's saying is, when you daily present yourself a living and holy sacrifice, guess what? You're worshiping God. In other words, worship is not just listening to music and raising your hands. Worship is actually every action and every thought that you have and have you presented every action and thought as a sacrifice to God. Are you really truly worshiping? Our job is to live lives that worship Him. And don't be conformed to this world. Don't be pressured, pushed in, compacted, molded into this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect and the Lord continued to talk to me that 15 years ago and he said he said this he said when you actually give yourself as a living and holy sacrifice here's what happens you become like a spiritual magnet he says you start to give off something that draws that person's spirit to them to you you start to give off something that they just, they don't even know what it is. Maybe their mind does not even comprehend it. But their spirit that was created originally to live forever, it knows something is happening. And it says, his spirit goes, that's right, that's right, that's right. That way of living, that's right. Whatever that is, it's good, it's right, it's what I want. And so all of a sudden you start to draw. By you living a right life, you start to draw somebody spiritually to a place that says, I need that. I want that. And when that desire in them becomes strong enough, they'll say, I need to change. I need to change. So you can't change that person, but you can bring influence to that person but that influence is through the Holy Spirit by you living the life that he's called you to live. And he says this, he says, and when you do this, you start to prove out the will of God to people. They start to see the will of God, and they're like, I need that. They might not even know how to voice it. They might not know how to put words to it, but they'll they'll know by their spirit, I need that. I need that. Look back at the story with John the Baptist and Jesus. Do you think that Jesus just was born onto this earth and he knew everything? No. What did he have to do? He had to give his body, his life, as a living sacrifice. He had to renew his mind to the will of the Father. In Luke, it tells us that he continued to grow in favor with God and man. He continued to grow. He continued to increase. He continued to allow his mind to be renewed so that he could actually live out and prove what the will of God is. Because then, once he knew what the will of God was, and he knew who God was, his love, his mercy, what what God, the, the heart of the Father, really wanted to do, then he could see the blind person and lay hands on them, and they would be able to see. He would see the leper, and they would be cleansed. He would see the dead, and they would come back to life. And then people would look on and say, That's the will of God? That's awesome. I need that. And you see the proof that came out. Not because the miracles happened. The proof came out because a person gave themselves as a living sacrifice. The end result was the power of God was released. But we don't move into the power of God unless we're willing to do what God's asking us to do every single day. And so the Lord told me, you start giving yourself to me and watch what I can do with it. Watch what I can do in people. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to go after, uh, do it a certain way with the world's wisdom. Just give yourself to me. You personally, not talking about a ton of other people, I'm talking about you. You, give yourself to God. And so I took his advice. And what's interesting is, now, years later, I see how things even in this city have changed because of what Boomerang is doing. I see where ministries are, are still going and being established because what Boomerang is doing. And people can say, but you, you're not a thousand member church. You don't have to be. You just have to live as a living sacrifice. You just have to live and give your life to God. I know most everybody in here has a testimony where the power of God has met you through this ministry, which this ministry is here because God told us to start it because we had given ourselves to him. In other words, as I followed that advice 15 years ago, now throughout time I've seen the ripples and the waves of what God could do through one person that gave themselves as a living sacrifice. But what if I wouldn't have made that choice? What if you don't make that choice today yourself? What could be that's not going to be because you didn't make the choice to daily give yourself? What could be, but it's not going to be? Or we could flip that around and say, praise God, Lord, I can't even see what's going to be. But I know it's going to be awesome. Because today I'm making the choice. I will be that living and holy sacrifice. Given to God. Acceptable to God. Which is my reasonable service. My spiritual service of worship. And I won't be molded by the world. But I will be transformed through the renewing of my mind. Through the washing of the water of the word. So that I may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. See, when you start to give yourself in that way, the result, the thing coming out of you, is the will of God manifested. The will of God proven to people. They start seeing the power of God released through somebody, and they start those spiritual eyes start perking up. They start taking notice. And all of a sudden they realize, I don't, maybe I don't know what's going on, but I know something's going on. Yeah. I know something's happening. And here's the thing. That wasn't written just to pastors. Yeah. That was written to every believer. Yeah. I urge you, brethren. I urge you, children of God. So I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. It makes no difference. What makes the difference is, will you choose to give everything to God? Will you start down the path to prove to the world around you that God is who he really says he is? Or will you just keep doing life the way you've always done life, but on the inside, you're still frustrated? There's a way out of that frustration And it's basically saying, Jesus, I give you it all. Let me be hot for you. So I just ask you to stand right now as we wrap up. And we'll just pray a prayer. Pretty simple, we'll just follow these scriptures. And I just ask you right now to take a second and search your heart. And as you pray this, make it yours. Make it you. Make this one of those decision points where you will never go back from, never will you have to ask that question again or face it again, whether or not you're going to be this because you made a real decision today. So just take a second right now and just meditate on that. Lord, do I really mean this? Lord, do I really want to make you the Lord of my life, the director of my life? Do I take all my leading from you? You might tell me something I don't want to do. You might tell me to go somewhere I don't want to go. You might tell me something that costs me. You might tell me something I don't like. That's exactly the question. Do you have faith enough to trust in his love and trust him when he asks you to do something? That's a sacrifice. That's a living and holy sacrifice. Are you willing to make yourself that every day so that God can use you to prove to the world exactly who He is? The truth is, so many Christians have really not been able to honestly say that. They really haven't been committed. You know, I said... It wasn't just compassion, but it was conviction in that passion. A lot of you have been touched up to this point through the ministry of Boomerang. What if conviction stopped short of this ministry? What if we did it for a while, but then we stopped? You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have felt what you felt. You wouldn't have experienced God in that way. So many people so many people say they want to do this but they don't follow through with conviction I'm asking you this morning to be a people of conviction make this prayer yours just say Father I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior He is the director of my life And with all my heart, heart, I believe believe that you raised him from the dead. That you you brought him back to life. life, And raised him up and and seated him in heavenly places. places. And I am now seated with him according to your word. word. And And Lord, as my worship to you, my reasonable, my reasonable service for him giving his life for me, for life for me. I, give life. I give you my life. My decisions, my decisions. Uh, living in holy sacrifice, not acceptable to myself, acceptable to myself. But, acceptable to but acceptable to you. And I will not be conformed, not be conformed. Or, molded or molded by this world It's system and environment. But I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind in Jesus Christ that I may prove what the will of God is. That will that is so good and acceptable and perfect in Jesus' name. Father, let us be the kind of people, let us be the kind of people that will not draw back, but that will finish the course. That will run the race and set aside anything that holds us back. Set aside anything that would entangle our feet to not be able to run the race properly. Let us set aside anything that would slow us down. Let us set aside anything that is not of you. Lord, let us have conviction to be a living and holy sacrifice this day and every day. And let us prove your will everywhere we go, in every circumstance. And we praise you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.